I like exciting moments like that in life where something significant and meaningful is happening and we all get to look in on it. Don't you like those exciting moments where something is moved forward? And one of the exciting things that I like to participate in is, is I like sports. I love all sorts of sports. I can pretty much enjoy most sports. Um, I don't really enjoy golf that much because I really don't know how to do it. I love whacking the living mess out of a ball to see how far it'll go. But for me, usually it goes this far off the ground and, you know, it goes really fast in the process. But I really enjoy sports. And one of the sports that I really like to not really participate in because that would be awful, but I love to watch UFC. How many of you know what UFC is? UFC is basically a combination of wrestling, boxing, and martial arts. It involves two people, it's either men or women, and they basically, the whole goal for them is to be in this ring and to physically dominate the other person. That's the entire uh, meaning, the entire thing that is involved with being UFC. However, if you watch a UFC event, you are guaranteed to see another group of individuals that are kind of a part of the event, but not really. And it's the ladies. Not the ladies that are in the ring, you know, trying to knock the stuffing out of each other. It's the ladies that are there holding up the number there for those who can't count and telling them what round it is. And these ladies are there and they're dressed provocatively, which is very strange when you're there to watch a, watch a fight and all of a sudden these ladies just kind of show up. But they, they're there, they smile, they nod, they clap, and they're nodding enthusiastically. Yeah, isn't this great? And all the while, you as the person are like, I'm really excited about this, but I don't think I'm as excited as they seem to be about this. And, as you're, and as, as you're watching the event and you're watching these ladies, they always have a smile on their face, but eventually one of them cracks. One of them, you will catch them with this bored look on their face. Basically, why am I here right now? I would much rather be somewhere else. And it occurs to me that the only reason why they're there is to, one, look pretty, but two, to give every outward indication that I am interested in what's going on, even though my heart is far, far away from what is actually happening. And you take a look at what they're doing, and they're there for hours, and they try as best as they can to put on this performance. I'm excited to be here. I'm happy to be here. I'm committed to what's going on. But in reality, their commitment is shallow. It's hollow. It's small. And I wonder, what, would it lo- what, what does that look like for us as Christians? What would it look like to have a faith in Jesus Christ that is, in fact, that shallow, that hollow, and that small? Perhaps it would look like this. A bunch of people gathering together in a church building. And some of those people have the courage to take the stage and they start playing songs and they start singing songs to Jesus. And then the rest of that group begins to join in in agreement and they worship God and they raise their hands. 
they, they, they clap their hands. If it's really, really good, then maybe they actually get down on their knees in reverence. Some, some folks may even give out an audible cry. And then what would it look like after everyone had this emotional, passionate moment, this outward expression that this is terribly interesting, Jesus is worthy, he's valuable. And what would it look like for people to leave this place and then go out the door and to live a life in such a way that they don't pay any attention to Jesus Christ or his involvement in their life? Wouldn't you agree with me that that is just as shallow, just as hollow, just as small? Wouldn't you agree that their connection to Jesus is not what they have proclaimed it to be on Sunday mornings? One of the things that I am increasingly anxious about in, in, in my own life throughout the years is, is that I want a faith that actually means something. I want a faith that is active. I want a faith that is transforming. I want to be able to proclaim with my lips, but I want to also be able to live out the principles of Jesus Christ. I want to be able to have this faith that shines brightly in the midst of darkness, that all that people have to do is see and see that that yet, yet there's something valuable there there's something significant there's something that that screams that he is unbelievably dedicated and involved he is a follower of, of Christ don't you have that same desire don't you have that same desire to have a faith that is actually meaningful that actually uh, that that represents that your life represents what you say it means and that's one of the things that I want to uh, talk to you about today is I want to talk to you about getting in the game. Getting in the game. Whenever I was involved in sports as a youth, that was one of the things that the coaches would tell me is, one, they would tell me, get your head in the game. And they would tell me that when I would be daydreaming. I would be out there just kind of like, oh, I wonder what, uh, what homework I have to do, and boy, I'm hungry, and and all this other stuff, and the coach would say, hey, get in the game! Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot I'm supposed to smash that guy in the face. I'm sorry. And, and during, during halftime, if we weren't playing particularly well, they would, we, the coach would say, guys, remember what we talked about? We, this was our game plan. We all agreed together, and I want you to get in the game. Well, this is my charge to you today. Get in the game. The world needs Christians who are no longer on the sidelines cheering, saying, Christ is significant, yay, Jesus. They, don't, they no longer need people who are in the bleachers saying, yeah, this is great, and watching everything take place. What they need is the body of Christ to rise up once again and to be the body of Christ, to be light in the midst of darkness, to shine brightly so that all could see. That is what we need, is everybody involved. You take a look at our headlines today, there is a lot of darkness out there. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things that are going on, and it takes all of us being in the game to make a significant impact on this world. So as we talk about getting into the game, one of the things that I want us to take focus in can be found in Philippians chapter 3. 
Philippians chapter 3, we're going to start at the first verse. If we're, going to get into the, if we're going to get into the game, we have to make sure that we're playing the right game. If we're going to get into the game, we've got to make sure that we're playing the right game. Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a protection for you. Watch out for dogs. I think that that's helpful all the way around sometimes. I find most dogs to be cuddly, but I'm sure that that means something else here. (laughs) Watch out for dogs. Watch out for evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For served by the Spirit of God. Boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I once also had confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day, I'm of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew, born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth so that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but from that that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. So that is a lot of verses there. And in the very beginning, it talks about how Paul places no value in the flesh, no confidence in it. And I think a lot of times we as Christians fall for this lie, and even those who are without Christ fall for this same lie, which is putting trust in our own thinking, putting trust in our own works, that somehow if we do all the right things, that somehow that will gain some type of spiritual significance in our life, that that will have some sort of everlasting value. And here Paul is saying, if you think you have confidence in flesh, I did all of those things way better than you did. I was born of the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. I was born in the right tribe. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I had all of these things going for me. I knew my scripture. I could quote it to you backwards and forwards. In terms of my commitment, I even went as far as going after and persecuting people who did not believe as I did. I couldn't have been more committed. And here Paul is saying, Jesus called me to a different game. You are playing by rules that have nothing to do with my kingdom. He's calling you to a different game. How many of you are watching 
the NBA, uh, champ, the NBA uh, playoffs. Have you watching NBA playoffs? I stopped watching a long time ago. I got tired of people flopping all over the place and traveling. I like college basketball a lot better. But when it gets to the playoffs, I start to pay a little bit more attention. And there's a guy by the name of Seth Curry, and he is known for his ball handling ability, but he's also known for his three-point shooting. He can shoot it from anywhere. (laughs) And I wonder what it would look like for Seth to show up in the NBA Finals and he shows up with a golf club and a balloon ball. And he shows up and he goes, hey guys, I've been working on my three-point shooting and I found an even better way to do it. If I were to take this ball and we don't use a regular basketball anymore, we actually use this thing, and we... We, we, put, we put it down, and I'm going to have to get tape for this. Um, and, and we take a golf club, and, and, and we just whack it like that. Then th- that's going to be a great way for us to play the game. Do you think for a moment that he will be allowed to do that? Of course not. Why? Because this is dangerous, one, in the basketball court. But two, that isn't the game. And I think for so many of us, we are trying so hard to play a game when Jesus is calling us to play a different game. We're trying so hard to make up our own rules. We're trying so hard to, to, to play in such a way that it relies more on us than it does on Jesus Christ. And here we see in this passage that all of those things Paul considered filth, rubbish. Stop trying to create your own rules. Stop trying to do everything on your own power. What I do consider to be a loss, it is because I had something of far greater value, and that is knowing Jesus Christ. You want to be significant for the kingdom of God? You want to walk and be a follower of Jesus Christ? May I charge you today to know Jesus. He has knocked on the door of your heart. He has given you the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of you. So now take advantage of the fact that you can talk with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords every single day. What would it look like if all the followers of Christ put down the game that they were playing and they looked up and they started following Jesus. What would it look like for followers of Christ to actually take him at his word? That when finances are tough, you lean in and say, God, I know that you are my provider. What would it look like when someone has demeaned your value didn't show you the respect that you thought you were due. And you sat down and you said, you know what, God? Even though I was a sinner, unworthy of attention, unworthy of affection, you still died for me. What would it look like to be able to walk away from somebody's scorn and be able to say, I love them because Jesus loved them? 
What would it look like for us to finally get into the game and actually play the right game? Wow, I went a long ways there. Please understand something. It does us no good to live a religion of works and accomplishments when we are called to live by faith. It does us no good. In fact, it taints it. And what does it look like to present the good news to a lost and dying world when we are living by the fake news? There's a lot of talk about fake news today, and a lot of us are living by it. What would it look like for us to put that down and actually pursue the good news? Proclaim it with our lives. This is who Jesus is. This is what he can do. This is his transforming power. You want to be changed? You want to be light in the midst of darkness? You want to actually know Jesus Christ and the power of his sufferings and to, be in, to have fellowship with him? You want to know him? Get in the game. Start playing it right. It is by faith. It is by knowing. Second point is retirement is not an option. Retirement is not an option. Some of you, you're still working, and it, you will still work till, until you die. Some of you have been retired for a long time and have no interest in going back to work. But when it comes to faith in Jesus Christ, retirement is not an option. It is not an option. We must continue to move forward in our faith. Let's take a look at Philippians again. In verse 12, it says, Not that I have already reached the goal, or I am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it, because I have been taken hold of by Jesus Christ. Paul admits that he hasn't arrived. And I got, I got to tell you, I haven't arrived. Pastor Julie hasn't arrived, even though we just saw that she became an ordained minister. Actually, she's been an ordained minister. We just saw it again. Um, by the end of today, she'll go through that ceremony three times. But um, I'm sure it's significant each time. But uh, no matter what accomplishments we have, no matter how far we go in Jesus Christ, there's always something further. When you have somebody who is omnipotent and you have somebody who is omniscient, you have somebody that doesn't have any limitations. For somebody who is finite like myself, there's no way that I'll be able to grasp everything in this lifetime. Just simply won't happen. So here is the thing. When it comes to knowing Christ, when it comes to trusting in him, there's no retirement. You continue to know him and you continue to have a freshness to it. It's not like, oh, I have to continually do this Christianity thing. No, you have this continuous excitement where God reveals new life after new life after new life. And you continue forward, not because out of obligation, not because you're doing so out of laboratory type of, uh, of commitment, but it is you get to fellowship 
with Christ. You get to know him. You get to move forward in what he has called you to do. That last verse is what I, that, that the end of that verse is what I really enjoy the most. I make every effort to take hold of it because I have also been taken hold of by Jesus Christ. Isn't that the good news there? The good news that even while I tried to get to Christ but couldn't on my own, even though I was serving in commitment but failed, even in the midst of my sin, Christ died for me. Not only did he die, he gave up his life as a ransom for my very own. There's no retirement. Why? Because Jesus has grabbed a hold of our life. And when Jesus grabs a hold of our life and we continue to submit to him, continue to submit to the everyday actions of the Holy Spirit, he will move us forward and forward and forward. One of the quotes that I liked, uh, that I liked uh, when we did the uh, Circle Maker series and the All In series, Mark Batterson went and said, if you're not dead, you're not done. If you're not dead, you're not done. Guys, let me challenge you. This isn't about paying dues and then handing it off to the next generation and then you get to sit still. There's always something that God is calling you to do. Retirement is not an option. It's time to get back in the game. It's time to get back in the game, and it's time that we start playing to win. It's time that we start playing to win. It's no longer about us trying to avoid sin anymore. It's about us advancing the kingdom of God forward as the Holy Spirit empowers us to do so. In verse 13, it says, Brothers, I do not consider myself to have been taking hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God heavenly in Christ Jesus. Notice that Paul said once again, not that I've obtained it, not that I've gotten a hold of it, but victory is dependent on us moving forward moving on, pressing on. It, is, it involves us continuing to be active. One of the things that he said there is putting, forgetting what is behind. Now you take a look at the Old Testament and God certainly has spent his time telling his people, remember, remember, remember. I don't know why I'm still holding this like it's a cane. It just occurred to me that I'm going like this. It's fine, but just not what I planned. And I noticed it now, and now I'm sharing it with you. (laughs) Anyways, God continuously said in the Old Testament, remember, build this altar, and remember the time that you were thirsty in the desert for water, and I provided you with water. Have this ceremony that you remember every single year as, so that you remember that as the death angel was going by from house to house that it skipped over your house and continued forward. Why? Because of the grace of God. Remember. 
And so when Paul is saying, forgetting what is behind here, he is not anti-memorial. He is not anti-remembering what is happening. He is basically, well, that was fun. He was basically saying, hey, guys, in the Old Testament, this memorial happened, but at no point did that memorial mean that you were to remain there at that moment. That memorial was meant for you to be reminded that this is what happened, and because of this, you can boldly march forward to what I am calling you to now. Too many of us are stuck in the past, stuck in Oh, I have committed this wrong, and I've made a fool out of my life. I have done all of these foolish things. Let me tell you something, that there is never a point where you have made a decision that is so final that it is outside of the grace of God. God will rescue you, and not only rescue you, but bring you out of that into victory. All it really takes is for you to understand that Jesus has taken hold of you so you can march forward in confidence. He has you in the palm of his hand. There's never a point where you're just like, well, I'm just kind of going along because I'm kind of... Uh, I'm a part of the tide that others have made. No, he has grabbed a hold of you, and now you can boldly march forward, not only in your relationship with Christ, but what he has called you to do. Some of us are stuck. Some of us have a rich heritage. We've been following Christ for years. There's a lot of memories in this place of where God has done some miraculous things in the lives of people. Some of you can even remember the spot in the sanctuary where God did something significant in your life. I remember right around here, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was a very weird moment. Didn't quite know what was happening. I was just kind of praying, and all of a sudden, whoop, out it came. And then afterwards... I didn't know what to do with myself. I was like, wow, all right. I guess that just happened. And then I had to have a conversation with my father about what to do next. But it was right there at, that, at this spot right over here. It's a significant moment. Some of you have been a part of ministry for years. You have been a Christian. You have moved forward with a sense of, uh, of confidence in what Christ has called you to. I'm going to put this down. But when, you re, but when you remember scripture and when you talk with others, perhaps some of you, you're talking about a scripture that you read a few years back or a few months back. Perhaps it's not as fresh as it once was. May this be a reminder today that God has called you to an act of faith. He has, he has called you to an act of faith. And too many of us are running around on a flashlight that doesn't have a full charge. And you take a look and everyone can see that there is some sort of light. And eventually this starts to get dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And what we are doing a lot of times as Christians is we get so busy with life, we get so busy with what is going on that we're operating off of yesterday's charge.
And everyone can kind of see the light when, you, when it's pointed at them. But if you look on the walls, there isn't really any significance. Nothing there that indicates that there is a light that is, of, that is vibrant, that is full of life. And as you can see, it's starting to get dimmer and dimmer. What Christ has called us to instead is he's called us to be fresh. Mind and pressing on what, what, what is ahead. So you take a look at this light. And sure, there's probably lights out there that are brighter than that. With you. But we have this that is fresh, vibrant, full charge. And no matter where you go, no matter how dark it is, it makes an impact. You can see that there's light. That's what Christ has called us to to be light in this dark world. Finally, we have to stay focused. We're going to skip ahead to verse 18. For I have often told you and now say again with tears that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of us are insisting on the right to a kingdom we are no longer a part of. A fallen kingdom can only lead its adherents to the same destruction. Here we have been called by Jesus Christ to a kingdom of life and victory, and yet we are still abiding by the rules and by the same uh, rights that, of a kingdom that we are no longer a part of. And that kingdom can only lead one direction. If we are to have our citizenship in one kingdom, let's live in that kingdom. And let's put away the things that are behind us. Let's stop trusting in ourselves. Let's stop trusting in our own works. And let's rely on the Spirit of God to transform our heart, to live and to be who we are meant to be. See, that is the very crux of Christianity. It's not about what you can do for God. It is the fact that God has taken a hold of you and is beginning to transform you piece by piece to be and to, so that when you do something, it is out of who you are because of who you've been transformed to be in Christ Jesus. Our citizenship is not here, so let us remain focused on who Christ has called us to be.